Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. Before we start the program, I want to make sure everyone understands that we often talk about OSHA and EPA citations, along with some other regulatory actions from other agencies, legal cases, and criminal activity. Everyone is innocent until proven guilty in a court of law. Proposed fines are exactly that, and they are often litigated, reduced, or vacated. We use available public records, news accounts, and press releases. We cannot warranty or guarantee the details of any of the stories we share, since we are not directly involved with these stories, at least not most of the time. Enjoy the show. This, this, this show is brought to you by Safety FM. And from the border of Liberty and Prosperity and the highway to the north, this is Safety Wars for Monday, April 24th, 2023. How's everybody doing out there? I hope you enjoyed your Earth Day. I know I did. A lot of stuff going on out here. Going to start with some safety in the news. In case you're new here, what do we talk about? We usually go right off the bat into our topic for the day. And I try to explain, like, the inside story on things. My name's Jim Polzel. I am your host, your dedicated host. So, I never know how loud to have that background music. It's a little bit tough sometimes. But we're getting there. So, if you're watching me, what uh, we are on a live stream, whatever network you're on. We also have a podcast, and we're usually broadcasting on safetyfm.com live uh, most nights during the week from 8 to 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. I tell you what, the weather is looking really good out here uh, for everything that we're doing. All right, beautiful weekend uh, here in the Northeast. I know some parts of the country not so nice, but in the Northeast... Uh, Clarkstown, New York. Everything was looking great. So, we have a lot of OSHA news today. Inside and outside OSHA and EPA news. So, uh, the National Transportation Safety Board has issued Railroad Investigation Report 23-04 for the investigation of an accident on September 22nd, 2021 involving equipment operator who was struck and killed by a load of steel he was transporting by a roadway maintenance machine near Castroville, Texas. A contract equipment operator, I normally do not mention the, uh, uh, the uh, company names, right? Because as we say at the beginning, everyone is innocent until proven guilty, and I'm sure that there is some lit- ongoing litigation here with this, and I don't want to you know, say things I'm not supposed to. So on September 22nd, 2021, a suspended load of steel grating material was being transported with a broom and stick of, no, uh, of a roadway maintenance machine. The equipment operator uh, assisting the workers for the timber replacement project on the Shaken Creek Railroad Bridge. The accident happened... Near milepost 24, okay, great, great, great. The accident was not witnessed by any employees. At the time of the accident, visibility was good. Oh, they're getting very detailed here with this accident report. 
All right. So this is what happened. He and two other employees then uh, approached Jackson and seen blah, blah, blah. Responders from the fire department, the equipment operator had reported to the works site at 7.30 a.m. on the day of the accident. This report very detailed, but if you notice, this reads like a, a lot of reports that we have to put together in the health and safety field. You have where the location was. Oftentimes, the location is there. What time the person reported for work, right? What the job was, right? The UP Bridge foreman stated to the NTSB investigators, they instructed the equipment operator to use the uh, machine to remove steel grading panels from the bridge structure and stack the materials along the ballast shoulder. Right? The operator was then directed to transport the panels westward. And the uh, machinery that was being involved, that they were using, was the Caterpillar Mini Hydraulic Excavator. Includes the lifting capacity in the machine and everything else. This is like it could be in the Straits Times. Usually, their press releases are very, uh, very uh, uh, detailed here. So, what exactly happened? The person was strained. The autopsy conducted. Uh, of the equipment operator who died was the cause of death was hemorrhagic shock. The equipment uh, operator uh, was not drunk. And it sounds like nothing happened with this guy. What's going on here? Come on. Okay. So getting all the way down to the bottom. The NTSB concluded, and I should have read this a little bit better before I started here. The NTSB concluded that the probable cause of the September accident was the use of a rail roadway maintenance machine to move a load of steel grading panels suspended from front end of the machine, front end of the machine with a clamping workhead attachment that was not designed for use with such a load. So, uh, blunt force trauma here. No witnesses or anything else. So, here's the question for you. You're the company. Right? You're responsible for making sure your operators or your employees have the right type of equipment to do the job. In this case, they did not have the right type of equipment to use the job, according to the NTSB report. Unsupervised. He was trained, but it was unsupervised. Is it always a good idea to have workers working alone? This sounds like, to me, I'm going to address a guy for some experience here, that you had one person doing two jobs, going back and forth from the uh, machinery to do stuff and everything else, and this might have contributed to the accident because he wanted to not do some things. Now, this is not do some things, cut some corners, make his job easier. I'm not blaming the employee, but... Why wasn't there another person here uh, helping him out, right? I'm looking at another article uh, here, and uh, duh, duh, duh. so uh, how does this happen? So the person was struck by three 20-foot-long, three-foot-wide bridge panels, which weighed about 2,200 pounds. There uh, was... Uh, no, the victim was discovered when the other workers went to his location after he did not respond to a radio message. 
The machine was flit fitted with uh, like a talon type thing, a grappler. And he was uh, uh, transporting a suspended load. Right? It has. So, what did the company do? They changed procedures and they, they were retrained people, right? And hired two safety professionals dedicated to railroad projects and conducting audits. So, more supervisory is uh, basically it. Uh, the person was removing the panels and struck himself. That's what the next article says. Sorry, guys, for getting you through that. Authorities identify worker killed in Nebraska ethanol plant explosion. On Monday, an ethanol fuel plant explosion killed one person and injured four others in Wood River, Nebraska. Investigators identified the worker. Uh, no information was provided about other employees. They, uh, uh, the state fire mar marshals said the fire crews responded to the plant at 2.39 p.m. in the afternoon, where they located a liquid holding tank involved in the explosion. Uh, firefighters said there was no fire upon arrival, but discovered multiple victims. Officials said one employee was pronounced dead at the plant, while another is treated at an Omaha hospital in critical condition. An autopsy was ordered by the Hall County attorney to determine the cause of death for the fatalities. Officials said the explosion's cause is considered an accident. Right, uh, we'll see how that evolves over the next couple of months. Construction worker dies at a job site in Garvey's Point. Where is this? Do do do. I believe this is yeah. This is Long Island, and this happened on April twenty third. Just hit the news now. The uh, feeds. A, a worker died uh, of, uh, after falling 40 feet onto the concrete floor of a warehouse at 40 Garvey's Point Road on April 14th while replacing metal sections of the building's roof. Okay, so here we are with fall protection. Next week is National Fall Protection Week. Give us a call at 845-269-5772, and we can have your stand down. We will do it personally. I will do it personally, especially if you're in the metro New York, New Jersey, or Connecticut area. And uh, I've been involved in a couple of these accidents, even though not this one, with the investigation here. And what happens? People are not tied off is basically what it comes down to, or there are not other guards or other things in here to protect people from uh, 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 no, falling and then dying. I mean, from 40 feet, you're probably not going to live or if you or something like that. And again, uh, right, according to OSHA, the top four cases of deaths in construction are falls, being struck by equipment, being caught in or between objects, and electrocution. Together, these four causes have, account for 60% of all construction-related deaths in the United States. Do, do, do. So the company is being investigated, and uh, right now there is, uh, right, what could happen here? Facility owner could be held liable for some of this, either in civil court or under the multi-employer um, multi OSHA multi-employer policy because they were there, right? Uh, so, so here is uh, here here is a quote from 
Vincent Alou, Vice President of Labor's Local 66 and a Certified Ocean Inspector. By the way, there is no such thing as Certified author, uh, Ocean Inspector. It is Authorized OSHA Instructor. Along with Grant Newberg, Berger, a spokesman for the Building and Construction Trades Council of Nassau and Suffolk Counties. Reflecting on the, on the employee's death, Alou says that there is nothing worse than someone dying on a construction site. Glen Cove, where this accident t- uh, took place, just passed the most stringent safety laws on Long Island, and now we have a tragic fatality. This is the first time this social law is being tested on Long Island. I don't know what law that is. Uh, maybe it'll mention it later on. The new law addresses safety requirements for minor for a minor construction site requiring that workers complete a 30-hour OSHA outreach course. I'm reading into this a little bit. Safety requirements will require someone to be assigned to the site, ensuring that each worker has a 30 or 50 hour. I don't know what a 50 hour OSHA safety certificate is, unless they're talking the Department of Building certificate or something local here. The permit applicant holder or any person performing work on behalf of the permit holder will need to certify to the director of the city's building department. uh, And we'll see what happens. Self-paced courses range between $150 and $215. Well, guess what? Uh, we could be out there. Uh, I'm going to be honest with you. I could be out there. Long Island, you need training, 845-269-5772 or jim at safetywars.com. If you need a 30-hour outreach course, uh, we're the ones to do it. And uh, I'm again, I'm sh- shameless self-plug out here. Uh, I just did a uh, fall protection course two weeks ago for a roofing company. So you need it, I'm there. Cal OSHA Sites Equipment Company, uh, her first contractor for prosecution in confined space debts. This is a story from last week. The California Division of uh, the California Division of Occupational Safety and Health uh, cited a company uh, of referred and another company. For criminal prosecution in two separate cases of workers, that's related to confined spaces. Both companies are cited a combined $272,000 plus dollar, uh, $272,250 uh, serious uh, uh, safety violation fine for following a confined space uh, death of a worker who suffocated in 10,000 gallon propane gas tank. And a separate case. These co- one of those companies uh, faced criminal prosecution for death of a worker who f- lost consciousness and fell 15 feet while cleaning a 50-foot-deep drainage sump. On August 18, 2022, a mechanic employed by a comp- one of the companies reportedly entered a tank to spray a valve inside. He was later found un- unresponsive inside the confined space. Sounds like a... Uh, some type of a painter or coating expert here. The Rancho Cucamonga Fire Department rescued the employee and transported him to a nearby hospital where he died. The violations included one categorized as a willful, another serious after Calo should determine the employer failed to follow confined space requirements. We do confined space entry training here too. A willful violation is cited when evidence shows the employer either knowingly violated the law or took no reasonable steps to address a known hazard. And, right, so they're being, uh, 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 
right? So there's a felony criminal complaint against one company, uh, another one for involuntary manslaughter against one of the presidents of one of the companies, and two counts of willful violation of an occupational safety or health standard. Uh, another uh, 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 officer at the company uh, who died in the uh, since 2016, was charged for violating two counts of the labor code. So, you know, this is California. Now, uh, you know that you're going to have oversight. Why you wouldn't do it? Why would you wouldn't do this? I don't know. You, you know, you know, you're going to have a problem. It's California. And I'm not saying anything against California. It's just, it's good here. But, uh, you know, I don't, it's crazy. Probably not going to make the full hour here, right? Uh, investigators, and this is from Department of Labor news releases here. Investigation recovers 262000 in back wages and damages from a Fort Myers restaurant that made service share tips to chefs, managers, and owners illegally. So there was a, a Fort Myers restaurant uh, to deny 75 workers all of their hard-earned tips, Right. And it's not an uncommon violation of federal law. The decision comes with familiar and costly consequences, right? Investigators with the department's wage and hour division learned that a company operating a Japanese restaurant required servers to tip sushi chefs, owners, and managers based on the server's total salaries. The employer's illegal actions made their tip pool invalid under federal law. The division also found the employers could not account for $22,000 in tips they withheld and had no records to remove those tips were paid to servers or any other employee. The employer also failed to pay a regular rate of an overtime to dual occupational workers who completed separate job roles. All of these actions violated the Fair Labor Standards Act. As a result of its investigation, the division recovered $262,000 in back wages. So, uh... What's the moral of the story? Obey the law. I don't know. It doesn't get any more simple or more difficult than that. Here's another one. Massachusetts Dunkin', Dunkin' the operation formerly known as Dunkin' Donuts, franchisee pays $20,000 in civil monetary penalties to U.S. Department of Labor for child labor law and violations. And this is, again, all right, innocent till proven guilty here. And I'm just reading off the DOL uh, website here. Not keeping track of how many employees under the age of 16 worked and allowing some to operate a dangerous machine has provided uh, proved costly for a uh, uh, Dunkin' Donuts franchisee right, in several areas of Massachusetts. So what were they doing? They had... Uh, 21 workers, ages 14 and 15 years old, work more hours than federal allowed at several locations. The divisions, uh, how much is this costing them? $20,000, 121. So what's what's required if you have a child employee? I think we mentioned this a couple weeks ago on this show, right? Right. Every state has a different, there are federal requirements, but every state has their own requirements for child labor. One of the things is not, do not employ minor, minors under the age of 14. This is Massachusetts, according to the press release. Create an internal policy to comply with child labor hour 
standards provide color-coded stickers for name tags to identify minor-age employees, conduct child labor training sessions with supervisors and managers, and provide all employees under the age of 18 with child labor uh, uh, publications, instruct workers under 18 to adhere to child labor laws, and appoint child labor compliance directors, spot check timesheets for, uh, for uh, compliance. All this goes in here if you're going to be uh, uh, employing minors. So uh, as far as the wage and hour division knows, uh, 38,000 minors were employed illegally last year, right? an increase of 37%. I can see where employers are hiring folks, young folks. I can see that a lot because there's a lot. Trying to find people who want to work nowadays, right? I, I, this is the biggest thing. So here we go again. Dollar Tree Stores Incorporated. Hold on. I had to cough here. Sorry, guys. Uh, Dollar Tree Stores. <laughs> This one in a Providence, Rhode Island facility. $770,136 in proposed penalties. Wow. I think that's the biggest one yet. What are we looking at? Blocked exits. This is the usual. Blocked exits. Unsafe storage of materials. Box merchandise stacked up to seven feet high in both locations. Fire extinguishers. Uh, storage room materials completely blocked access to fire extinguishers, compressed gas storage, specifically with helium, and those violations were with caps. So uh, I think they they hit the total fines since 2017. They had to be over 17 million dollars at this point. I don't know. Uh, what the solution is here. They, I mean, this is a long go, ongoing thing. U.S. Department of Labor and Trade Representative applauds steps taken by Mexico to address allegations that unique fabricating plant in Cuadratero. The U.S.-Mexico-Canada's Agreement Interagency Labor Committee for Monitoring and Enforcement is applauding a report by the Government of Mexico on August uh, 20th, 2023 detailing steps taken to address allegations that the unique fabricating facility in Cuarataro, Mexico, denied workers' rights. The action follows a petition filed under the USMCA in response to claims that two auto industry plastics manufacturers were obstructing workers' freedom of association and right to collective bargaining. The U.S. Department of Labor and the U.S. Trade Representative are co-chairs in the USMCA's Interagency Labor Committee. And going on and on. So apparently if you're doing business in Mexico, you may have to comply with uh, some U.S. laws, your U.S. company. Right? That company in particular was in three countries in North America. You can figure out what those are. And I believe we covered that on Friday. EPA News. So... Proposed settlement resolves EPA Water Act claims against Maine Fishery Hatchery. The U.S. Department of Environmental Protection has reached an agreement, this is from the EPA website, an agreement with the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service that will require a, the Craig Brook National Fish Hatchery in Orland, Maine, 
to take specific actions to reduce the amount of phosphorus that discharges into Alamuskuk Lake. Wow, that's a uh, mouthful. The Craigbrook National Fish Hatchery, which raises salmon or salmon, right? for an endangered species restoration, has been unable to meet the phosphorus effluent limitations as discharged from it issued by the Maine DEP pursuant to the Federal Clean Water Act. So, uh, harmful algae blooms in New England waters have been increasing in recent years and need to be addressed. During negotiations, uh, according to David W. Cash, uh, regional administrator of the EPA's New England office. During negotiations on the agreement, the service proactively instituted certain changes to the hatchery's operations, resulting in reductions in phosphorus discharge. Under the agreement, the fish hatchery cannot meet the annual phosphorus limitations in its current permit by 2025 with these and other best management practices. Again, that is a loaded word there, best management practices under these permits. And we'll need to Evaluate and institute either construction of a wastewater effluent bypass or larger downstream water body that can better assimilate phosphorus discharges or alternatively fish reduction at this facility, thereby reducing the amount of phosphorus produced. So uh, best management practices, that's some open to some debate with a lot of this stuff from what I recall. EPA settlement with Ivonic will reduce air toxins at the, in St. John the Baptist Hot Parish in Louisiana. The U.S. EPA recently announced a settlement with Ivonic Corporation that will reduce emissions of ethylene oxide and other hazardous air pollutants by 5.6 tons per year from a facility in reserve, St. John the Baptist Parish in Louisiana. The alleged violations were found as a result of a special monitoring and enforcement effort by officials from EPA and other and the Louisiana Department of Environmental Quality. Right, this is like an environmental justice thing. This is what this came down as. Right, because it's in a depressed area, uh, which it should. Nope, everybody has the uh, right to have live not in a polluted asshole. Right. Pardon the French, but that's basically what it is. Uh, a lot of these factories are placed, and the cheapest land is around all of these uh, uh, factories and everything else. And these are at-risk communities that are further put at risk. So these are the communities without proper health care, access to health care, ability to pay for health care, or anything else. Right? It's not a good thing to... Right? to have this stuff uh, like this. So I'm glad the EPA is going in there and cleaning things up. Biden-Harris administration announced its $400 million grant program to fund clean school buses that reduce emissions and protect children's health. So this is like every couple of weeks this comes out. I wonder if they just do a cut and paste on here. Today, the U.S. EPA announced the availability of $400 million in grants for cleaner school buses, reducing harmful pollution and protecting children's health. Under President Biden's Investing in America agenda, funding the, from the EPA's Clean School Bus Program will improve air quality in and around schools and communities, save schools money, create good-paying clean energy jobs, and reduce greenhouse gas pollution, protecting people and the planet. 
EPA proposes Texas Regional Haze Rule to protect visibility in national parks and wilderness areas. Emission limits for reduced SO2, that's sulfur dioxide, emissions in Texas by more than 80,000 tons per year. On April 19th, the U.S. EPA proposed a rule that would withdraw a portion of the existing Regional Haze Best Available Retrofit Technology, BART, Federal Implementation Plan, FIP, for Texas and replace it with a new BART FIP. <laughs> you gotta love it. Combining two different acronyms that include source specific emission limits for sulfur dioxide and particulate matter, that's PM, on 12 electric generating units located at six power plants in Texas. The proposed action also acts on a pending petition for reconsideration regarding the use of the cross state air pollution rule training program as a value, valid BART alternative for 19 states nationwide. The proposed rule. Uh, it is intended to address the Clean Air Act requirements to protect visibility in national parks and wilderness areas, such as the Big Bend National Park in Texas and Kearney Creek Wilderness Area in Arkansas. More specifically, this proposed rule addresses sulfur dioxide and particular matter BART requirements of the Regional Haze Rule for Texas EGUs. There's another uh, thing that I don't... Uh, have the there's another acronym they don't say what that is egu I, I don't recall it sounds familiar the proposed emission limits are based on conventional proven at the source pollution control technology that is in place across a vast portion of the egu environmental governing unit i believe that's uh, stands for a fleet in the united states this proposed rule also clarifies that with source specific part controls in texas the training program can continue to be relied on by participating states as a valid BART alternative. So, removing haze, cleaner air. Great thing. Biden-Harris administration announces latest steps to reduce plastic pollution nationwide. EPA releases a draft strategy uh, to combat harmful impacts on communities affected by plastic from production waste Production to waste at Biden-Harris administration marks Earth Week. So this is from last week. So they're looking to eliminate uh, or reduce plastic use. So if you, uh, there is a short movie out there uh, by Allison Teal of Naked and Afraid uh, 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 claim, right? Uh, but uh, that show on Discovery Channel. Uh, I've spoken to her over the years, and she has a phenomenal movie out on uh, the Maldives uh, with plastic pollution in Southeast Asia. But uh, there, uh, there is a lot of stuff. I mean, the plastic stuff out there is ridiculous. I was so people ask me, Jim, how old are you? And I tell them I'm old enough to remember how paper bags use had to be eliminated because we had to save the rainforest and i was having a conversation with a dear friend today on uh, life cycle analysis i had to write a uh, uh environmental social governance uh, document today and we mentioned life cycle analysis and with a lot of these knee-jerk proposals, this is the one thing that does not get addressed is life cycle analysis, meaning cradle to grave, regenerating a material. This is what its life cycle is, and this is its final deposition is what, what it is. There's not enough of that out there, and I think it, for us to go off and require do everything in plastics, 
this is part of the problem here. We did not necessarily have this issue as much as when we converted everything to uh, to plastic and got away from local bottlers using glass. I'm sorry. That's just my viewpoint on it. Uh, I think that was a huge mistake, uh, but we could correct this. And I mean the uh, microplastics all over the place in water, in the environment, in the ecosystems, polluting and everything. You'd think you're doing a great thing by getting all these plastic bags back in 1983, 84, starting then, maybe 82 and everything. But look at what they've done. Microplastics all over the place. Endocrine damage, endocrinology damage all over the place uh, with uh, a lot of these species. And uh, that doesn't also include the physical hazards to fish and other aquatic life over there uh, getting tangled in plastics and things of that nature. Why is this coming? Uh, okay. So where there's a lot of upheaval today in uh, in uh, 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 TV news, right? Specifically, Don Lemon was fired at CNN after 17 years, and he was completely stunned, completely un, um, unexpected. I know there were some complaints about him. You could go look them up. I don't know if they're true, not true. What have, you, what have you on that against him. But as uh, the other one was Tucker Carlson from Fox News. Now, Tucker Carlson, uh, again, uh, uh, so Fox News uh, had a uh, settlement in a reported $787.5 million defamation settlement with Dominion Voting Systems and a potentially even more costly lawsuit from a smart, Smartmatic uh, about the 2020 election and election fraud and accusations there. And uh, this, uh, they think that this was part of the, uh, uh, in the blogosphere and in the talk radio world, that they feel that this was part of the settlement here with that. Uh, I don't know. Is any person out there? I mean, you've got to save face. You have to show that you're getting better and improving. Is any person worth 700 and some $787 million with this? My question is this. Were they encouraging this? Was this the environment? Was this the system that Fox had set up there to do this? I, that was going to be part of the case. Some people say yes. Some people say no. I have no idea one way or another. So... Anyway, that's what's going on there. All right. So last week, I'm sorry about this. Uh, last week we had uh, the uh, SpaceX rocket and a uh, takeoff that got uh, self-destructed on there or it was destroyed. One of the things that they did was they did not know whether the pad that it was on and taking off from would survive, right? And looking at some of the pictures here, you can look them up online. This thing was destroyed with this. Uh, they considered it a success because it was a test flight, and 
the thing wasn't even uh, expected to get into the air from what I'm reading here and how I'm in, I'm drawing an inference from it, from it. And when it lifted off uh, and for four minutes, it and they had to destruct it, it was considered a success. Not surprising here with that. Now, something new, they have to get licensing. I mean, it's a, uh, for this from the FAA and a whole, and uh, I believe some approvals from NASA for spaceworthiness. Uh, it's uh, incredible. Uh, they're probably going to have to redesign a lot of this stuff, and it's going to have to, uh, I don't know, one of the solutions might be that every time that they launch a rec- uh, rocket, they're going to have to rebuild which means that they'll have to have several of these things going on uh, uh, at one time, several of these launch pads. Just an incredible thing, uh, what they're going through. Okay, uh, how do Americans feel about the Trump? We talked about politics last week. Apparently, according to uh, uh, Yahoo News and YouGov poll, the people don't want either presidential candidate here, uh, uh, Biden or Trump. People have had it. I don't know if that's a good uh, development or a bad development. We're yet to see. We're a little bit too far out uh, right now to figure out what's going to happen with the 2024 election. That's not going to stop people from uh, speculating here. This is from Study Finds. This is from the Duke University School of Medicine that stress ages the body. Thankfully, it only takes days to recover from stress. This finding of fluid fluctuating, malleable age challenges, the long-standing conception of a unidirectional upward trajectory of biological age over life course, whatever the hell that's supposed to mean. Uh, so stress uh, ages the body, but... Uh, it only takes days to recover. Okay, from one uh, press release. So here is a uh, report from, uh, where is this? San Miguel. So this is a, uh, I believe it's California. And a worker, a vineyard worker, was killed in an industrial accident last week, according to a report by KSBY. The report says that the worker was driving a tractor, and when the vehicle went off the road and downhill, causing it to roll multiple times. The uh, boss was reportedly discovered the body 30 foot uh, from the tractor. So let's, let's talk about this. The... So uh, essentially, uh, so what do you have? You have a piece, I'm sorry about that. There's a piece of machinery out there, right? All of it, what's it required to have? A roll bar right, across the top. And that way for like a generation, unless it's an older piece of equipment, it's supposed to have a seat belt. The fact that this person was thrown 30 foot from the tractor probably wasn't wearing a seat belt. This is one of the big things. This is like a gimme to any of the auditors out there. If you're doing an audit, you don't have a seatbelt on. And the worker does have a seatbelt on. It gets marked in. And unfortunately, this falls on the worker. 
I know we try to set up systems and everything like that for that. Maybe that there's some of that for the person driving off the road, but it ultimately comes down to the worker on this one, wearing the seatbelt that's provided. Uh, this is one of the hardest things to enforce because it's repetitive and it actually becomes very adversarial with a lot of safety professionals and the worker to get them to wear the seatbelt. I don't know. Uh, you know, people think that they can jump off of the equipment when it starts to roll. Chances are that's not going to happen. When you jump off the equipment, chances are you're going to run over yourself. So, uh, da -da -da. so uh, you know, it is what it is with this. Okay? Uh, kind of wear the seatbelts, guys. Right. People think, well, hop means that nobody ever gets into trouble. That's not true. There are certain simple, basic safety things that you have to do. You're in construction work, and with overhead hazards, you're going to have to wear a hard hat. It's just the way it is uh, with that. Can you eliminate, unless you can eliminate all fall hazards, all head hazards? And the answer is you're not going to be able to. So, Because even if you fall, most falls include that are fatal include blows to the head 20 percent of the right include blows to the head not all but blows to the head from a fall and there are other types so you're going to be wearing a hard hat no matter what now some of the uh jobs are requiring uh hard hats that are uh uh that have chin guards on uh, chin yeah chin guards on there right chin straps Two-thirds of Americans care about the environment as much as their finances. Three in five Americans care just as much about saving the environment as they do about saving money. As part of a recent study into sustainability habits, 64% uh, of those polled say they care about their health of the planet and their wallet in equal measure. Right, And now these are Americans. This is not nation worldwide. Right. Uh, where's this study coming from? One poll on behalf of Bosch. Uh, the survey suggests that being sustainable at home needs to go further. So I, now this is a, it's still a Western thing. Most of the planet is still out there wondering where their next meal is going to come from or their, ne their meal next week is going to come from. They're not doing this with this, with this, at least based on what I've read on other polls here. So uh, this is more of a Western thing. Would be nice if it could be worldwide, but given the choice between degrading the environment and eating, most people are going to choose eating. And, that, and the fact that Americans are like that shows me one thing. We're pretty affluent here because we have time to uh, do that. A country's not all that bad off. There's hope. There's always hope. Especially when coupled with this. Average person wastes nearly $3,000 in groceries per year. And this is in, on behalf of HelloFresh. They commissioned this study. So uh, the, a quarter of all respondents to the survey said they always are off and make more food than they're able to finish, usually with the intention of having leftovers, and that never happens. Incredible. More than half of all vegans consume an unhealthy diet filled with processed, and this is from Vienna, Austria, from the Medical University of Vienna. And uh, 
Vegans consume an unhealthy diet filled with processed meat alternatives, sweet snacks, according to a new study. The popularity of processed plant-based alternatives challenges the public perception that veganism is inherently healthy. Researchers from the Medical University of Vienna discovered that vegans tend to exercise more than the average person. However, the experts also identified two types of vegans' diets. Convenience and health conscience. Convenience vegans make up 53% of the study, consume more processed fish and meal alternatives, vegan savory snacks, sauces, cakes, sweets, convenience foods, etc. And the remaining 47% ate more fresh vegetables, fruits, potatoes, wholemeal products, vegetable oils and fats, protein and milk alternatives. So there are four basic type of vegans here, or vegetarians. Lacto-vegetarians, they consume dairy products but avoid eggs. Ovo-vegetarians, they consume eggs but avoid dairy products. Lacto-ovo-vegetarians, consume both dairy products and eggs. And pescatarian, consume fish and other seafood but avoid other types of meat. A vegan diet goes beyond vegetarianism by excluding all animal-derived products. Uh, including those from insects. So something, uh, you know, to think about there. Okay, I think we're going to wrap it up right then and there. Uh, We ran a little bit short today, but uh, looking forward to uh, seeing everybody tomorrow and having a program ready for you tomorrow. Hi, this is Jim from Safety Wars. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those of the host and its guest and do not necessarily reflect the official policy or position of the company. Examples of analysis discussed within this podcast are only examples. They should not be utilized in the real world as the only solution available as they are based only on very limited and dated open source information. Assumptions made within this analysis are not reflective of the position of the company. No part of this podcast may be reproduced, stored in a retrieval system, or transmitted in any form or by any means, mechanical, electronic, recording, or otherwise without prior written permission of the creator of the podcast, Jay Allen.